Before we get the podcast going, I just want to thank our season four sponsors, Smokus Focus. Smokus Focus makes high quality display jars that elevate your viewing experience. These storage and display jars have bright LED lights and a magnifying top that allow you to see the quality of the product up close. Use code JustJosh at checkout for 15% off. Not only are they offering our listeners this discount, but the team over at Smokus Focus have gone out of their way to create custom merch packages for artists so that they can get the best return on investment. They've literally slashed their minimums and are offering warehouse prices for orders as low as 20, 40, 60, or even 80 pieces so that no matter what level you're at, you are able to buy these products at an amount that makes sense for you. So Smokus Focus wants to help music make a comeback this year and into the future. You can only get these prices by placing an order with EUM Music Group by sending a DM to at EUM underscore music on social media or emailing EUM Music Group at gmail.com. Welcome into the show. Uh, today we have uh, an amazing, amazing guest, Vanalia. She's one of my uh, not only favorite artists, but favorite people. And I've known her, I think, even before she signed with Law. And uh, I got to go to her first real kind of paid gig, uh, which we'll talk about in our uh, little interview later. And... Uh, She's just one of my favorite people, and I've always rooted for her, and I'm so happy for her success, and I know it's just the beginning, um, so I'm really excited for everything to come. Uh, before we get started, though, uh, just some housekeeping stuff. If you're not following us on social media or YouTube, definitely please go follow that, because uh, on YouTube, I put up clips, stuff that doesn't make it into the episodes random thoughts, other funny things that just either don't fit or because I want to try and keep it current, I'll just post it up there uh, and not go, you know, try and do a whole episode about it because then I start stressing myself out trying to get these full episodes out and trying to make sure the content is relevant. Uh, what you'll notice is I'm wearing something right now, and then when we go to the interview, I'll be probably wearing something different uh, because... Last year, it was a lot easier to get guests on for an hour or more, you know, especially because once we started going, you know, we'd be having so much fun, we'd lose track of time and we'd have two or three hours of content that I could whittle down to an hour. Now, with everything starting to pick up, and I shouldn't even say pick up, but open back up to a degree, and who knows what's going to happen in the fall and going into the future um, with everything going on. But I realized that it was harder to get people on for longer periods of time. And not only that, me being a weirdo also <laughs> contributes to having some topics that you plan to be able to talk about for a while, but I'll be staring at the guest and realizing that they don't give two shits about aliens or any other weird topics that I'm into. So... I think what we're going to do going forward is have kind of a 15-minute intro where I can talk about the things that I know I want to talk about because it makes me interested and I think makes for a better podcast. And then when we have the guest on, we can talk about music and let it naturally go into where it wants to go 
and then afterwards kind of do an outro. Um, and that way, I hopefully can continue to get the guests that I want to get uh, by inviting them on for shorter periods of time. I'm also not a big fan of the phone interview. No matter how hard I try to do it, it's never smooth. It's not as interactive. Um, and it's also not as good a quality because no matter how, you know, it shouldn't be on the, the onus shouldn't be on the guest to come proper. Uh, if you're not following our social media, that's why I wanted to direct you that way, especially our YouTube channel is, you know, there's a lot of updates about the podcast too. So a lot of this stuff, some of you already know, some of you don't, but, uh, back in the summer, uh, I got a job at Under Armour Corporate, and it's been amazing. And, um, you know, it's sports-oriented, so, you know, all my coworkers are teammates and other fun sports, you know, things like that. But uh, because of that, it's taken up a lot of my time as well. And I really wanted to make sure that uh, being new to the company, I was doing everything in my power to be the top of my class or the incoming hires and, and, you know, making sure that I'm doing everything to put myself in a good position. And, you know, I, I held out for music all through 2020 and into this year. But when I realized that things weren't getting any better, um, you know, I, I came across this great opportunity and I took it. Um, again, if you haven't checked out our YouTube yet, please subscribe and do the alert thing because, It'll show when something's posted, and if you like it, it just helps with the algorithm. And, you know, I, I do put a lot of time. I know it doesn't look like it because it's a piece of shit podcast. But uh, I, I still love it, and I'm, I'm trying to work towards something else to where maybe we can work with someone that has more resources than I do or, or be part of a network where we have more followers. So um, before we get into the interview with Vanalia, though, I had two topics I kind of wanted to start off with. Um, one being my trip to Riot Fest in Chicago, and the other, the Gabby Petito story. And we'll see how far along I get into this, uh, if I might split this up into two parts and have the Gabby Petito thing be for episode three, you know, to start that off. Because I'll talk about it for hours, hours. I, I'm just obsessed with it and just so heartbroken about the whole situation and uh, it's something that I've been following and while I was at Riot Fest I was literally up in the morning looking at all the different like things doing the internet sleuth thing then I would go to the festival have no service and be like but still be thinking about the case while I'm watching Slipknot uh, and then as soon as we left and we would get some sort of like uh, cell phone service back on the train ride back to the hotel or the bus ride back to the hotel, I would be looking up the case again. Uh, and there's so many different aspects to it and so many thoughts that I have just in general. But uh, let's start it off with a good note. And uh, if you have not heard of Riot Fest before, go look it up. Go look up past lineups. Go look up this year's lineups. It's an incredible, incredible uh, festival. And I think the biggest thing for me is not even just the festival itself. I love Chicago. I love Chicago. It's, I say top three because right off the top of my head, I can't, I'm sure there's other cities that I enjoy visiting just as much or have a passion for, but Chicago is definitely up there. And honestly, it might even be my favorite city to go visit. They have great food, and I've always thought the people of Chicago 
are very similar to the people of Baltimore where I grew up and we're all hardworking. We're all, we all mean well. And I think a lot of us or a lot of people in the city, especially have gotten the short end of the stick. And despite that, they still work hard. They still are good people for the most part. And, and again, people point like, Oh, Baltimore has all this crime and you know, Chicago has all these murders and crime. And you're right. But that's, a hundred percent because we have a failure in the people that are supposed to keep the community safe and then also support those who have been, you know, systemically uh, burdened in the past. And so it's hard, it's hard, but I guess my whole point of this is I love Chicago, man, do they have good food, great scenery. You get all, all the seasons and again, just, Great people. I was walking around at like 3 or 4 a.m. I, I really did not feel uncomfortable or unsafe. Now, I was definitely aware of my surroundings, um, but I did have to catch an early flight, so I had to walk like five blocks to the uh, train uh, the last day at like 3.30 a.m. so I could get to the airport by like 4.30 and then start boarding at 5 because it might have been a 6 o'clock flight, but I think I can't remember the boarding times, but yeah, I... I'm one of those people that I don't like to get there too early. Like my dad likes to get there like four hours early. So you're sitting in the airport for four hours, which doesn't make sense to me. But then I also don't want to be late. I don't want to feel rushed and you never know with security or, you know, whatever the deal is. So, um, man, riot fest is just, it's easily my favorite festival. And here's why it's well run period. You know, it, I don't think people understand how much goes into festivals and how easy it is to fuck it up, you know? And every single Riot Fest I've gone to has been amazing, just amazing. And here's why it's well run. One, they have enough food. They have a whole section of food vendors, plenty of options on both sides. Two, they have enough bathrooms for everyone. Every single bathroom I went into this weekend was spotless. And do you know why it was spotless? Because they had plenty of them that it wasn't just a million people using the same 10 fucking porta pots to where after a while, yeah, it's going to fill up. People are going to stop giving a fuck. And to me, that, that just shows that they'd rather spend the extra money and make sure people have a good time than worry about profit. Because they know if they put on a good festival... They're going to continue to have people come back every year, which is actually more profit um, instead of going one time being disappointed and never going back. So bravo to Riot Fest. But let me go through the lineup real quick and then also kind of uh, talk a little bit about what happened this weekend. So here's the first day. The first day is kind of like a they call it a preview party. And the the people performing are Morrissey was kind of like the headliner along with Alkaline Trio, Patti Smith and her band, who's great, uh, Joyce Manor, WDRL, I've never heard of them, and Christine Young, who I've heard of, but, you know, I couldn't name you a song, but I know who uh, she is. Uh, Here's the funny thing about Thursday. So Thursday, we get a notice that they kind of twisted it, too, to make it seem like they were being the cool hipsters and, like, doing us a favor, but we quickly learned that they were only serving vegan food. And I, when I say vegan, I don't mean like vegetarian options. 
I mean like vegan, like strict vegan. And I'm like, wait, that doesn't make sense. Why, why would they only serve that? And it turns out Morrissey and his writer in his contract said he would only play the festival as long as, or he demanded, I guess, last minute that there be no meat served because he's a strict vegan or whatever. So there can't be any meat on the premises. I get if you're a big artist having some wants and needs. And I could understand if he was like, there needs to be vegan options for me. Otherwise, I'm not playing. I get that. So make sure that there's options that he'll enjoy. But then to say the rest of the festival goers and the guests and the people that actually paid the money to come see can only eat vegan options also? Fuck you. How big of a diva do you have to be to literally hold a fest ho- a festival hostage? I'm surprised they didn't just replace him. They replaced five other bands that backed out with other groups. So, like, why didn't why not just be like, no, fuck you. We'll get, I don't know, someone else to play. And honestly, I'm not a big fan of Morrissey's music anyway. It's not that good. Here's the funny part. So there's pictures and videos. Some... You know, I'm not the only one that was outraged about this. I, apparently, it turned into this whole big thing. And there's video. And so someone either started a post or started a group and started, like, you know how the internet is. You can start anything these days. He started hashtagging Morrissey, but the thing is, like, everyone go buy tons. So people, basically, in a nutshell, people started sneaking in hot dogs, hamburger patties, like, any type of meat they could find. And while Morrissey was playing, we're throwing hot dogs and meat products onto the stage at him. And it was the funniest thing ever. And I just think that is such a great response to uh, a ridiculous uh, request by Morrissey. So here's Friday. Okay. The Smashing Pumpkins. Coheed and Cambria. Lupe Fiasco performing The Cool, which is a great album. No Effects, Dirty Heads, Sublime with Rome, got to put that in, Circle Jerks, Motion City Soundtrack, Thrice. Holy shit, if you have not seen Thrice in your lifetime, go fucking see Thrice. Maybe I'll edit some uh, video in here later, but I'll probably save that for just, you know, other things. But, man, they were good. Uh, Circa Survive, Anthony Green, he's always good. I mean, I like everything he does. Pine Grove, Meg Myers, the Lawrence Arms, another Chicago. There was a lot of Chicago bands on this lineup, I noticed, but big bands. I didn't realize how many big fucking bands came out of Chicago. Uh, Beach Bunny, Anti-Flag, Living Color. So Living Color is a cool story. They're the ones that do uh, Cult of Personality. It's a Cult of Personality. Um, So I'm a big wrestling fan. I think that's pretty apparent. You know, I got the belt right here, and I love all wrestling. AEW, independent wrestling, you know, Ring of Honor. That's filmed in Baltimore, so I love that. Um, And so they do CM Punk's theme song. CM Punk recently returned to wrestling. It's a huge thing after seven years of being away. Uh, after that whole pipe bomb with WWE where they cut off his microphone because I guess he was getting too real uh, in the moment and uh, was just completely. Now, I know it was a work, meaning like I know that like he was taking something he might have had a gripe with and then putting it into the storyline, but I guess it was just too real for WWE. 
Uh, I thought it was brilliant. And, and I mean, that's why he has such this, you know, such a cult following was that pipe bomb where he was basically throwing WWE in the bus and incorporating all his, you know, gripes into the storyline. Anyway, Living Color was there, which means, and CM Punk is from Chicago. That's his hometown. He's a big Chicago guy. His return was AEW in Chicago. So CM Punk was at the festival, uh, which makes sense because Living Color does the things. He's from Chicago. He's been to Riot Fest before. He's a big Chicago Chicago guy. So um, seeing him there probably wasn't that uh, crazy. What was crazy to me was not only was CM Punk there, but I was standing watching uh, Hepcat, which is like this kind of reggae band. And there were other rock bands and other things going on, so I figured that would be, you know, where people were at. But I do love Hepcap. They're they're really good. And I think they do they work with Tim Armstrong? Maybe not Tim Armstrong. I forget. But Hepcap might be signed to like Tim Armstrong's label, but I could be wrong. I could be completely wrong. They're kind of like reggae ska. Um, anyway, so I'm standing there and I look over to my right, and there's a skinny athletic dude. He's athletic, but he's skinny. Semi-tall, bleach blonde hair, kind of a mohawk, but not. And he's standing there in all black, tight black jeans, you know, these, like, black boots, a black shirt, and then he had a fucking, you know, a uh, a suit, a suit top on, a suit jacket. And I'm thinking, who the fuck is standing in the middle of Chicago in a 100-degree sun in a suit. Like I'm thinking it's got to be an artist or it's got to be someone that's like, you know, famous or they wouldn't be standing there in this bullshit. And um I realize it's Darby fucking Allen. And I get so and just from working in the business, I'm not the type to go up or ask for pictures or ask for autographs. You know, it's just not what I do. All those all the cool things I get to do are right here. And I'm totally cool with it because I think it's so cheesy when I see certain people post shit and I'm like, cool, good for you. But so it's Darby Allen. So I don't go over to him, but he looks at me. We look each other right in the face for about a good three or four seconds. And I go like this. And then he gives me the head nod. And I could tell he knew I knew who he was and he appreciated that I didn't come up to him. So that was cool. I always like it. But I'm a I'm a huge Darby Allen fan, so I thought that was really cool. Fishbone was playing, and that's where actually CM Punk was at the Fishbone show. That's one of his favorite bands, one of my favorite bands as well. And there's a picture of CM Punk with Fishbone. Uh Envy on the Coast, The Sounds, Amigo the Devil, I Dress, Beach Going, Beach Goons, Meet Me at the Altar, they're great. Serotones, Radkey, Kississippi, Jackie Hayes, Oxymorons, Girl Puppy, Senior King. Uh, so that was Friday. Stack fucking lineup. And um, as a 90s kid, for me, seeing the Smashing Pumpkins was... I, 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 I definitely teared up a little bit. I definitely got emotional seeing them play. And man, were they fucking good. So most festivals, even the big bands, they'll play like an hour tops. I've even seen where the headliners are like 45 minutes. They don't even do the hour 15 that they usually do on headlining doors. Smashing Pumpkins was the only band that played more than an hour and 15 minutes, and they went basically two hours. I've never seen that at a festival, a band that is willing to go two hours. 
because I know the longer they play, the more it costs. So I was surprised that uh, Smashing Pumpkins played so long, and I think the next band only played maybe an hour, hour 15 tops. Uh, but yeah, they were good, man. They they played all the classics and, and a lot of new stuff, which is a lot of electronic and spacey shit. But they did it in a way where the whole set was good. It flowed. So you weren't upset like, oh, man, they didn't play enough of their 90s shit. Or, oh, man, what's all this dumb spacey shit? Like, they did a nice blend of it all, and it made sense. It wasn't just stuck in there. And they didn't just do it because it's their new stuff, and they didn't just do it for nostalgia. It was very well done. And smashing, shout out to Billy Corgan, because he's fucking the man. And he even admit he was a jerk-off when he was in the band that, you know, it was probably a big reason, but he's also said, you know, when things are your baby, you want to make sure they're done right. So I, I get that Saturday's lineup run the jewels. That was a fucking awesome show, man. I was vibing the whole time. Those guys are a lot of fucking fun. Rise against another great band. Um, dropkick Murphy's rancid taking back Sunday, Vic Mensa. Oh my God. He was another one of those performances that uh, I went into the festival not really knowing the artist as well. I, I mean, I've heard of him, but I didn't know a lot of his stuff. Um, I do remember he was in like a rap group or a different band, and then they broke up, and then he went solo or whatever, uh, or he took his drummer or he took the other guy with him, and, and they started you know his solo stuff. But it was rap, but he had a band, which was fucking awesome, and the band was awesome, and but they were also punk and rock. It wasn't just rap, but it was good rap. Not the mumble shit, not all the other thing. Like, all his shit told a story. All his shit wasn't just rhyming words or, you know, whatever the crap the kids do these days. It was, it was fucking amazing. So I definitely recommend checking out Vic Mensa. He was, he was super, super good. Uh, I'm going to fuck up this name. Go Goal Bordello. Very good. I was surprised how good they were. Uh, Mayday Parade, Bayside, State Champs, the Mighty Mighty Boss Tunes, Andrew WK, Best Coast, Big Frida, Gore. Okay, while we're on this topic, Big Frida, trans woman, didn't get the voice thing done, so she sound, sounds like a man, like a deep voice man, looks like a big, beautiful black woman. You know how most bands will do like a 10-minute jam or an 8-minute jam or like They'll have an awesome guitar solo, and you're like, oh, that was fucking sick. Big Frida, her solo was a 10-minute fucking booty shake. She was literally twerking for 10 minutes. 10 minutes. It was crazy. But she fucking rocked. Shout out Big Frida. Gore. Uh, funny story about Gore. We got there when they were supposed to start. They played for about 25 minutes and then said, thank you, Riot Fest. Have a great day. I hope you don't die. And then the guy just waddles off stage slowly. And I'm just like, wait, what is going on? Weren't they supposed to play for an hour? Apparently, they started like 25 minutes early. So he missed half the fucking show. Ugh, I was so mad. I was like, I kept wondering what happened the whole time. And then finally, someone told me, yeah, they started way early. Um... I mentioned Hepcat earlier. Uh, the Bronx, less savvy fav, or less savvy fave. I don't know how, I, how you pronounce it. I never heard them. Four Years Strong, awesome. One of my favorite. If I could be in a band, it would be in, it would be Four Years Strong. I love the, the heavy tones and like the metalcore drums, but yet the pop punk. They're like a heavy 
Blink or a heavy uh, Newfound Glory, yet still just as fun, you know? So I love them. I love them a lot. Uh, Citizen, Fucked Up. There is a band called Fucked Up. That's so funny. I mean, it's so unoriginal. But I think it's funny that that's their name too. Joy Wave, Night Movies, Man on Man, The Bull Weevils, Action Adventure, Ganser? Ganser, I guess. Just Friends are good. The Orphan, The Poet, uh, Bearing Spider, Devin K, and The Solutions. Here's Sunday Night. This is what we all left uh, before I had to fly back home and work the next day. <laughs> um, Slipknot. Oh, my God. They were, they were amazing. Uh, first time... It's not actually the first time I've gotten to see them. It's the first time that I was sober getting to see them because I've they've played other festivals that I've gone to and I have seen them, but I don't remember a lot. So I would say that this is uh, now again. This was when I was in like college, so that's why you know I I really don't I haven't drank that much for the last ten years or whatever. But I do drink. Don't get me wrong. I just not as much. Um, and they were amazing, dude. He was so positive. Just a great performance. They did a lot of their classics that I recognize. They did some new stuff. Uh, and just, again, a great message, a great band, and I love them. Next up, Machine Gun Kelly. And I just, uh, I'm sick of people telling me he's good when I know he's not. And now that I've seen him live, I it confirmed that he is not good. Uh, he does Paramore covers. And... All he does is talk shit about people. So get this. We all know his beef with... The, he was a rapper. And that's how I always knew MGK is a rapper. And he beefed with Eminem. Eminem put him in his place. Put him in his place so hard that no one wanted to buy his music as a rapper anymore. He's lucky that he's friends with Travis Barker. And Travis was willing to help him out and get on an album with him. And now he's suddenly the savior of punk music get the fuck out of here i grew up in the 90s when we had real fucking punk music real rock music original mainstream rock and punk not only that pop punk we had the metalcore in the 2000s and the emo like mgk is not that he's fake he's corporate produced and if one more person tells me oh well he's fucking megan fox that just proves my fucking point if you can't, if I tell you that his music's not good and your only response to me is, oh, well, he's fucking Megan Fox, fucking Megan Fox doesn't make your music better. If you would tell me, hey, listen to this song. Do you hear that? And do you hear the lyrics? Do you see how that kind of goes together and the meaning behind it? No, you can't because he does fucking Paramore covers and trash-ass music that producers write for him. And the only reason that he's semi-famous is because he works with Travis Barker. So get the fuck out of here. And here's the thing that I didn't like. While we had Slipknot and Machine Gun Kelly, they were playing different stages at the same time. They were the headliners. I, I saw both of them. I even went over to... Because I had to check out MGK because everyone kept telling me how good he is and how much they love him. So I had to check him out. So I go over there. And he's talking shit about Corey Taylor and Slipknot. And I'm like, did you not learn your lesson? Did you not learn your lesson? You talk shit about Eminem, and then you turn punk. You got ran out of the rap game, and you turned punk. Now you're talking shit about Slipknot when the whole time they're being nothing but positive and, and telling everyone to come together and that the real enemy is not 
each other. It's, it's you know, the powers that be, et cetera, et cetera. And you're talking shit? Like, fuck you, Machine Gun Kelly. You're a fucking tool. What a fucking tool bag. What a fucking tool bag. I, I don't care. I hope he fucking hears this. You're a fucking tool bag. You're talking shit about everyone. Have you not? So now that he's talking shit about Slipknot, he's probably going to turn reggae or country. I guarantee in another year when he keeps talking shit about other bands in the genre, he's going to get run out of that too. He's going to put on a cowboy hat and suddenly he's machine gone Kelly. You know, like, fuck you. Sorry, I didn't mean to get that upset, but like, seriously, fuck you. Okay, the flaming lips. Devo. Here's a story I'll tell you. So there was a lot of our kind there, right? There's there's a lot of rock, you know, a lot of piercings, a lot of tattoos, a lot of all black in 100 degree weather. But so all of us were there and there all these bands rise against, you know, Coheed, you know, all the smaller bands that are, you know, Simple Plan, Newfound Glory, or, you know, like I said, some of the heavier bands. That's what most people were there for, right? Because that's what the fest originated as. And you can see over the years, they've started like Warp Tour. Warp started being a punk rock show. And then they expanded and they started getting different genres in there. So that's what I see Riot Fest as kind of being like that, that Warp Tour type of deal. And now they've expanded and they get a lot of the classics along with like a mix of genre. It's just a well, it's just a good festival. There's something for everyone. Anyway. As excited as all of us were to be there for a lot of these bands, I'm telling you, hands down, the most excited fans that were at the show weren't the rock bands, weren't the punk bands, weren't the reggae bands, weren't all the big genres. The fans with the biggest smiles on their face were one, the Flaming Lips, and two, Devo. So many people had those little hats on Running around looks like, you know, looks like they have like a bowl on their head or whatever. And like, dun, 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 dun. oh my goodness. Every time I saw a screenshot of the camera of the fans in the front row, just singing along, biggest smiles. They were having the most fun. They were laughing. Like, uh, I loved it, man. It was, it was a big pick. I love seeing people be happy and be happy at festivals and music. I mean, that's. That's what I love. So no matter what genre or what band, if you get that emotion, if you get that feeling, I love seeing that. So those two bands, the Flaming Lips and Devo, probably have the most passionate fans out of everyone that was there. No matter how big the band was, even the Slipknot people, because they were added, you know, semi-late. So who knows who actually just went there to see Slipknot. But people specifically went to go see the Flaming Lips and Devo. And Flaming Lips was an incredible show. He started off in a bubble. You know, and then he suddenly he just comes out of the bubble, and but then he has a mask on. I'm like, I don't get what's going. You didn't have a mask on. Now you have a mask on. I, I was just so confused. Um, okay, rest of the lineup because I'm I'm starting to get carried away here. Newfound Glory, Simple Plan, Anthrax, The Ghost Inside, another fucking amazing band. Uh, Body Count. That was a lot of fun because it was uh, Ice T's band. And Ice-T is a bad motherfucker. He probably cusses more than Samuel L. Jackson. He said some funny-ass shit, too. Uh, but, yeah, they were a good time. Uh, Thursday, K-Flay, Knuckle Puck, another great band, one of my favorite punk bands. Health, The Bled, Mother Mother, 303. Never been into those guys. Not Really nice dudes. Got to meet them on the Warped Cruise, but, um, you know, not a big fan of their music. 
Alex G. Okay, the band I wanted to see the most going into it was Fever 333, and they did not disappoint. Best fucking show out of... I could go into this whole... Maybe I should just do a Riot Fest episode where it's like an hour of me talking. It would probably be boring. You probably wouldn't be into it, but it, it was a lot of fun. Uh, Yeah, Fever 333, dude, they're as advertised. They stand for something. They stand for being respectful, treating women right, treating L- LGBTQ. Is that right? And everything. Just, But they mean it. They're not just bull- – because everyone gets up there and preaches, all right? You can tell when someone means it, and you can tell when they're not. And their whole thing from the beginning has always been about those kind of things. And, and just just being equals as humans and, and, and justice and, and different things like that. So they did not fucking disappoint, man. They, they're one of those bands that doesn't give a fuck. They go hard for the whole fucking set. Like... Their, their shit's getting destroyed. He climbed up the rafters, and he put his mic through the thing at the top. And this was high up, dude. These were big stages. You weren't like, you know how a festival had one big stage and then two smaller ones? No, these were all, like, big stages. And he climbed all the way up there. The mic got, he, like, pulled the mic through and was, like, singing from up there. I thought he was going to jump. Now, I know because of insurance, they probably wouldn't let him, or he, they was told not to, and he didn't. But at the same time, he did climb all the way up there. Then he started climbing down, and in my head, I'm thinking, wait. He left the mic up there. Does he not know the mic? And then I see him get down, and then he's starting to tries to pull it. But I don't think he remembers that he actually looped it through to hold it there so it would just hold there while he sung, and he didn't. So then he's trying to pull it down, and all you hear is the microphone, like, slapping and just making these big bangs against the thing. I'm like, oh, my God. But he didn't give a fuck. That's the whole point. They don't give a fuck, man. And then he finally gets down, then he starts using the guitarist mic, and then they finally then they get the other one working, but it's still caught up there, but the the cord is long as fuck. I mean, that thing had to be like 300 feet. I'm not joking. It had to be long as fuck because somehow he pulled it all the way down and then still had enough room to take it halfway over the stage before it like was too taut where he couldn't move with it. And then he continued to sing out of both mics. So when he was on the one side, he would sing out through the main mic. When he was on the other side, he was singing out through his guitarist. Uh, but they were amazing. Uh, I love Fever 333. Just everything advertised, definitely go see them. Kenny Hoopla was a lot of fun, too. Uh, I was surprised about that. Bleach, The Gories, Faxed, Rat Boys, Blackstar Kids, The Clockworks, Pets, Pet Symmetry. That almost, I always, you know, until just now, I always thought it was Pet Cemetery, but I know that's a movie. But I guess that's what this was a play on, Pet Symmetry. I don't know, maybe not. Maybe like pets, and they want them to be all symmetrical. Uh, Milk Belly, never heard of them. Jim Schwartz, I've heard of, pretty good. The Weekdays, Airstream, Future. So that was Riot Fest this year. A lot of big bands, a lot of cool shit happening. Um, you know, I was just, I can't tell you how much fun I have going to Riot Fest. I would move to Chicago just to go to Riot Fest every year. And also, again, I, I've stated this a million times. I love fucking Chicago. I love Chicago. Um, and uh, I would uh, I would move there in a heartbeat. And, and honestly, it's something I'm thinking, I'm highly thinking about doing. Uh, because I could still work for Under Armour out there and, uh, and uh, get to go uh, do my musical stuff because I'd be able to travel quickly because it's in the Midwest. So I could get out west or get out east. Uh, really quickly and it you know I always said I would never move there because it was too cold but honestly here in the in, in Maryland we have the same thing we have summer fall 
winter and spring. You know, we have all four seasons, and it's just as fucking cold here as probably Chicago. Now, Chicago definitely has got the wind, so that's why it seems a lot colder, and that's what I've always said. But but really, that's just me making up excuses not to go, but I think I want to go. So that was Riot Fest, man. I, I had such a blast, and uh, thanks to Under Armour for uh, letting me have off, too, because I'm super new, and they, uh, they're very accommodating to my... Uh, I told him when I when I signed up that uh, music was a big part of my life and and uh, if possible as long as I'm doing what I need to do, um, you know I, I still want to pursue music and be involved with music and and go as a fan. Honestly, I miss just being a fan. That's what it comes down to. I miss being a fan, and so I love going to stuff, especially when I get to go see the bands I really want to see. You know, and, and this this lineup was stacked. But I know why you all came. Um, you're here for Vanalia. So, uh, I want to give a big shout out to Robbie, Robbie Gosweiler, who's, uh, just been such a big help to me. He came in studio for this one. So it's, uh, me and Robbie in studio and Vanna over the phone. And what's great about this is that we got into a pretty good conversation and we hadn't quite gotten into all my fun topics. You know, we were talking a lot about music and my management and, and different things like that. So it was actually a great conversation, but maybe a little bit more serious than I wanted, or maybe just, you know, a lot about one or two topics that we got really in depth in and then didn't get to talk about aliens or anything. But honestly, I think it made for such a great episode because in the end, you know, she's put out her new album. She's recently, um, officially hired uh, the manager that she has been working with. Who's been a great friend to her. And I just, I'm just so happy for, I mean, it, it, I, I can't say enough nice things about her and, and I just really wish her all the best and, and she's doing it, you know, and, and this is just the beginning. So uh, let's get into this. This is our interview with uh, Vanalia uh, with me and uh, Robbie in studio. Well, thank you so much for joining me. I appreciate your patience and I appreciate you taking the time because I know you're I super busy. you for putting up with me. No, this is great. And it's great because we have Robbie, and I, f I apologize about last time because he's part of the law. Yes. Pepper crew as you, well. So, do you remember nice when we know. met? I w it was like very briefly wait, in wait, passing. Hold on. Wait, hold on. Let me zoom in on your face. Yes, a little so, bit. So you were. Um, Did you have shorter hair back then? Too? I might have. You were on the yeah, pepper. Think... You were on the pepper bus one night. Um, and like I was mixing them at the time, and I, it was just like a passing. Like the dudes and like one other dude, all, like at so, first, like it was like really not that many people on the so, bus. Yeah, something like that. You were talking to Yi, and like Yi briefly introduced me, and I was I was okay. in the middle of something or whatever. But is yeah. this in Florida? Sure. Yeah, it was okay. there. Yep. Okay. I, I'm, I don't remember. I, I think that was the only time I've ever been on their bus. I'm like not a cool kid. I don't get invited on the buses. <laughs> Robbie, his intro. Is... I was that day. <laughs> yeah, Do you yeah, remember you me that cool one kid. time we met very briefly? <laughs> I remember the what the few times we've met, Josh. I know. The first time, so we had talked for a while, and I remember I had started up the management company, and I was looking at different artists in general, and you were one of the people that stuck out for me from YouTube, and that was I think right before you signed with Law, and mm. um, but we got to meet in Texas. We both flew down, and I flew down to come see you live, and then go see Ronnie and the boys. Shout out to Audic, and uh, that was a fun time. 
Yeah, it was super fun. Um, that was like my first like out of state show. Yeah. And I remember like I couldn't believe that somebody like actually liked me enough to like book me somewhere that like wasn't New York. And it wasn't like I mean, it was a shitty bar, but just like not in New York. So I was like, cool, like, let's go to Texas. And that was just it was just super fun. It was like my first time like, like I had a promoter buy like a hotel room and arrange all the rides. And was like, that House of Rock? Is that? Where... Yeah, that was House of Rock. Dude, yeah. That guy is so great. I think that's why bands love mm-hmm. playing there. That guy's really, really, yeah. really down yeah. to earth and really super nice. It's a dive, but everyone that works there is awesome. And yeah. it's, always, yeah, it's usually it's, always it's a fun like, show. It's yeah, it's a bar that like I like going to because mm-hmm. it doesn't. It's not like that your typical like dive bar type of, like I don't know, like just being like a smaller artist. I play a lot of bars and stuff like that. So it's like those are like that's like actually one of the bars like I actually like. And they have great pizza good. there too, right? Yeah, yeah, Isn't that their say, thing? The yeah, pizza. They got the pizza next. They door. got the pizza. Yeah. I've never had their pizza. It's good, but I'm from New York, so I feel like I may not like it yeah. as much as everybody else. Yeah, you you have a different scale of grading pizza, you know. Even when I do have good pizza, I feel like sometimes I'm just being a biased bitch, and I'm like, no, this is not New York pizza. I don't like it. I um, uh, do you follow the the bar stools guy that does the I pizza don't. reviews? Yeah, I I he's kind of douchey at the same time. Like I just. For some reason, I always watch those damn pizza reviews. And me and Robbie had pizza today. I was going to do a pizza review. <laughs> but it's Pizza Hut. So it's, it, you know, on a scale from one to ten, Pizza Hut's probably like a five. It's you know, acceptable. If that. It's yeah, acceptable. It's, like, it's good. Acceptable. Well, Definitely. it's my favorite out of the fast food ones. You know, out of the chain ones. But I think Little Caesars back in the day used to have the best pizza. Now it's shit. But when they, before they like went bankrupt and then came back. Like yeah. Little Caesars deep dish, man. I don't think I had that. You guys remember CeCe's Pizza? I do. I remember. was just trash. about to trash. say that. Like, that was the CeCe's, most trash. Pizza. It was the most trash. But when you're like stoned for the first time in high school, going to CeCe's and yeah. they have like the dessert pizza and shit, you're like, wow, <laughs> this is really what heaven is made yeah. of. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, when we were in Texas, we went to Whataburger together, and that was the first time for both of us, right? Yes, and I barely remember any of it. So I was about to say, <laughs> that was a long night, a lot of drinking. I don't drink as much. That was probably right before I stopped drinking. Um, and yeah, like uh, I, I don't remember much of the night. I do remember going to Whataburger. Now you've been, well, okay, well, you don't really remember it, so it might hard to answer this question, but um, you've been out in Cali now. So would you say In-N-Out or Whataburger? Okay, I, I remember Whataburger enough that night to be like, this was really fucking good. Yeah. But I only had it that one time. So I feel like because of that, like, that scarcity of, like, mm-hmm. Whataburger I've had. Not I enough data. Naturally like it. No, I actually think I like it better just because in and out is oh, so yeah. just, like, accessible to me. Like, before I used to think in and out was, like, gold because I was in right. New York. Yeah, but New now York. that I'm here, I'm like... I literally don't think I've had in and out since I've moved to California. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it's such a luxury now. It's like I don't, I don't have to. Yeah, just it's go just out and it's always it. there. You know, I'm I'm kind of taking it for granted, which is probably bad. But you know, I'm like, oh, what? But it's also like the line for in and out is like insane. Especially, is it? Like, I bet. With the pandemic and stuff. It's Ugh. like everybody just stops there to get like their midday thing, and I'm yeah. just kind of like there's a like if it's gotta be like i'm not doing anything on a saturday and i'm really high and i just like want to go like <laughs> spend some time in the like drive-in line but other yeah. than that i'm like i don't know i don't really have it that much in me to be like i want this this bad i'm gonna yeah. wait a half an hour yeah. just as bad as the uh, chick-fil-a lines 
Chick fil A uh, lines yeah. are always long. It is but weird. I will give them props because they do make their lines go very fast. They it's do. Yes. Long, but they, they're a thing. Yes. They're, they're quick, yeah. They know what they're doing. And 100%. it's always their pleasure. <laughs> yeah, it's always their pleasure. <laughs> Robbie, what about you? Do you like In N Out or Um I've only had okay, I've only had Whataburger once when I was a little kid in Texas. Really? I didn't and, even know that was a And thing I was back then. I was like not crazy about it. I was like, Whoa, what is that? And my mom was like, Oh, it's you know, it's like a regional fast food spot. I was like, Let's eat there and I was like I remember not being like crazy about. I remember what burger tasting like a better Burger King. Yeah, does every, that make sense? To yeah, you? that makes like sense. Like it kind of had the same flavors, the yeah. ketchup and the mayo, every, as opposed to. But uh, every time I've had In and Out, it's been really good. But I feel like you don't really get the experience unless you know the secret menu. You know, you have to know the secret options. <laughs> yeah, I the so I guess my and it could have just been that one. I've had it maybe three or four times In and Out Burger. Every time has been trash to me. Like, and maybe it's because people are like revving it up so much. That you have this expe- yeah. you have this false expectation when you go in because we have five guys on the East Coast, yeah. and to me now people say that five guys doesn't count because it's too like it's it's a step above, so it's not really fair. Like, like no drive through and stuff. Yeah, yeah, like you should compare five guys to like Shake Shack because they're about the same price range, or like Whataburger to In and Out or some other chain like that because it's mm-hmm. a little bit lower in price. But the fries were dry, even with the animal sauce. I was just eating dry, like gross fries, and the animal sauce really didn't make it. I don't like a lot of sauce on my burgers anyway. You know, like a ton of sauce, even mm-hmm. ketchup or anything like that. If I do, I put a little bit on there. I've been really getting into pickles and mustard on my burgers. Nice. You know, mm. recently, maybe a little bit of mayo. Pickles are always good. Yeah. But um, yeah, so I never saw the hype, and really, I. It was just the I burger was okay. It wasn't horrible, but I, I liked Wendy's better almost. Wendy's is good. I think it's like yeah. a up class, like white class little slider, you know? Like that's what the, yeah. the In and Out kind of reminds right. me of, just like a bigger one, you know? Because mm. like I was even like watching like the burger show and stuff that they have on like Vice and like, YouTube or whatever. Yeah. And it's like they're showing you like how they make it. And I was like, damn, that looks like a fucking White Castle burger. Yeah. <laughs> bigger. <laughs> just yeah. like the way they make it and aerate it and stuff. And it's like the sauce is literally just like, like I think it's like ketchup and mayo and like relish. Yeah, which is Thousand Island dressing. Which, yeah, which is pretty much like, you know, you go to Shake Shack, yeah. you have the same shit. So yeah, it's, it's the same secret sauce in the Big Mac, too. Yeah. Thousand Island dressing. Are we just letting out all the secrets now? Yeah. Is that the, what animal the, sauce is, basically? I mean, Thousand yeah. Island? That's what I thought. Yeah, that's what Big Mac animal sauce is. Animal style, I think, also has, like, something else or something. In it, right? in yeah. It. yeah. It's, like, some sort of meat, because, like, I, I don't know. I can't eat, like, those really manly things that are just, like, <laughs> you know, here's a bunch of sauce with a bunch of meat, and just, here you go. Yeah. You know, I can't do that. <laughs> like, an- too much animal fat. Yeah. yeah, it's just, well. I mean, like you know, I, I'll still eat animals, but like mm-hmm. you know, just like not like a barbarian. Yeah. The animal oh, style yeah. just seems really animal style. Something not too <laughs> greasy. Yeah, I like meat, but I'm not one of those meat kitchen dudes, you know, that I see on Instagram yeah, all the time. It's too much. Like meat. Like the people who put like like the whole like big ass steaks on the grill, and they're just showing you all the rubs yeah. and stuff that they do. Right, and they're doing like ten pounds of meat. There's like three pound slabs, four pound slabs each of the ribs and stuff. Mm-hmm. And then they're spending like tens of thousand dollars on these smokers. Now, I guarantee it tastes really good, but I'm just not, yeah. you know, I, I like balance. Yeah, $10,000 smoker it better taste good. <laughs> yeah, no, right. I think you also have to have a passion for it, too, because a, a lot of those people like they have a passion for it. And like, I just don't. Yeah. So that's why I can't see the appeal of it. But like, it's such like a little community. Like I started to realize that there's like a little community yeah. for everything and anything yep. you can think of. 
yeah, that's actually one of my topics is that I get sucked down the YouTube hole and I'll and I'll watch like yeah, I I I'll watch the uh tiny homes, I'll watch like RVing and like backpacking and like these do it yourself videos. Mm-hmm. I'll go to sleep, I'll wake up the next day and I think I'm like a contractor. And I'll like go out and try and start fixing shit and just make it worse. Well, I think like this last year too, it's like everybody's so bored. Everybody's like trying to find stuff to do. And like, you know, it's like YouTube, you can literally learn anything you want. So yeah. it's like, yeah. why not just It's a like, great resource. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, seriously, you just like get on there and do stuff. But I, yeah, I think like um, I've been victim to that too of like just going on the YouTube hole of mm-hmm. things. But then it like makes me buy a bunch of shit. And then I'm like, cool, I'm going to craft. I'm going to do all this stuff. And then like, <laughs> everything comes in and then I look like a five-year-old who like try to like, you know, color outside the lines. It's just really bad. So, well, um, that's something I love about you is that you're the only artist that I know that actually makes her own merch. Obviously you're not making every single t-shirt and stuff like that, but all the crafts and all those items, I love that so much. It's so personal and it's, and they're good. They look nice. They don't just look you. like crafts too. You you do a really good they job with that. To, so thank you. Yeah. <laughs> like when I first started touring, I remember like I had made merch because I wasn't ready to go out on tour. I was like, I just gotten signed to law. And then they were like, hey, we can throw you on this two week tour with cashed out. So I was like, cool. But I didn't have time to get anything ordered. It was like only two weeks and like, you know, right. still like kid fresh out of college. Like I didn't really have much money. Mm-hmm. So I was like, fuck, I'm just going to like craft everything and like everything definitely looked like a five-year-old made it but like a sophisticated five-year-old and it was cool because like people came out and they bought it and just because mm-hmm. they were like trying to support me and then like that just kind of made me like want to do it more but like now I have machines I have like a laser engraver and a cricket that cuts all the oh, vinyl yeah. out and it's like it's cool because like you know it, it's a little overwhelming like now that like I'm a little bit bigger you know just because it takes a little bit more time for me to make and yeah. and stuff like that but i like doing it because it's like if you're taking the time to like support me and what i'm doing it's like i want you to know like i'm putting in time to the shit that you're buying you know and like i appreciate that because i don't know it's, it's just cool because a lot of people have commented on it so it just makes me feel like okay i should keep going i was just doing it at first because i was broke but then people liked it so i was like okay <laughs> yeah yeah people want to have something that you made you know there's a big appeal to it for sure and i think and it, yeah it adds value yeah yeah exactly which is crazy to me because it's like I I don't I didn't see it like that. I just thought it was like a good way for me to like, you know, make my merch and like make it a little personable. But like it's kind of cool that like people I, I don't think I'm that cool, you know. So when people are like, Oh, I'm gonna Stop hold on it. to this so when you make it big and you know, this is so cool. I'm like, Really? Cool. Like, you know, like it's just it's cool. Uh, before we continue on with the podcast, I just wanna take a quick second to talk about Oak Fin Sunglasses, our episode sponsor for season four. Oakfin is a sustainable living brand that offers polarized sunglasses and accessories using recycled and responsibly sourced materials. They are part of the 1% for the planet, which gives back 1% of their annual revenue. Only $85 and you can get quality polarized sunglasses. Use code J2 at checkout for 15% off. Wow, that's a lot of discount there. That's very generous of them. That's a very good discount. Um, It's funny because I just reading this, but I am pretty sure I was like, if you can just give like 10% off or something like that, something small, and they gave us 15% off. Plus, they are supplying all of our guests with a pair as well. But I love these because they're not the gimmicky sunglasses that you always get, you know, for free or even from other brands probably. You know, these fit well. You have a thinner face, a little bit more of a narrow face. Yeah. I have a wide Asian face, and you can see they they go to the end, so they don't look small on my face, which I love. 
um because i actually have to <laughs> i have to actually get asian fit sunglasses to wear um and just a quick story if you've been following the podcast you know in like season two i got lasik surgery and um so i wanted to treat myself to a nice pair of sunglasses so I went out, and I'm not going to say the brand name, but I went out and spent $250 for polarized sunglasses because I really wanted to make sure I got the polarized. And, man, looking back, I wish I had Oakfin because these are really, really nice. Um, also, not only sunglasses, they have accessories. So if you have an Apple Watch, you can get an Apple Watch band. And, again, this is all uh, responsibly sourced materials, and they also give back to the planet. So thank you again to Oakfin Sunglasses for sponsoring our podcast. Oh, dude, what happened with you? So I was supposed to have, we kind of booked this a while ago, but in general, we were waiting for like a single and then, but what I really wanted to ask you is what happened with your voice and are you okay? Cause that scared me. I was like watching it. I'm like, oh my God, I hope she's okay. Yeah. It's been a little, um, a little bit up and downish. I was at a show and I just ended up like talking too much and i guess i like had pulled a muscle in my neck wow. and at first i i thought it was like a polyp or something like that i've had those before where you just have to be on vocal rest you know drink a lot of tea just kind of wait for it to go down sometimes it's like your allergies play mm -hmm. into it so i thought that's what it was but it's like after six weeks like i still had like a really hoarse voice like nothing was coming out and i was kind of freaking out a little bit and i actually got diagnosed with um muscular tension dysphonia so it's essentially like my muscles are too tired and they constrict around my larynx which like oh. um affects my vocal cords so i've been doing speech therapy and stuff like that i've been having to get like these like um, laryngeal manipulations where like she'll rub my neck and yeah. i go to, to speech therapy with her and like we do stuff like that but um, it's kind of been a little bit of a slow road. So there's like a, I, I saw this thing online where this girl had like arthritis in her neck that also had MTD. Uh -huh. So it, I like, you know, that might be something that we're trying to explore right now too, just to see if that's what's taking me such a long time to recover. But I mean, um, I played a show for the first time in six months since I got yeah. injured um, last week. And like, it was the first time I heard like inflections of my voice coming through. And I was like, cool. Like I heard my voice so if it, it felt good so it's a little nerve-wracking um but and it's definitely like taking an emotional toll on me um because i just i don't know what's happening you don't really know if it'll come back all the way but yeah. like since i've been keeping positive you know it's been going in the upward direction so i'm just gonna keep keep positive yeah i saw some videos and i mentioned it online that you sounded great you sounded you. so good it was just on a cell phone too out in colorado it looked like a lot of fun yeah, it was it was super cool. Actually, that was like the first time I saw cashed out since like, I don't know, long, long time, because it's like, you know, they're touring, I'm touring, like, we don't ever really like see yeah. each other. Or, and if we do, it's like a high and buy. So it was like, cool to like, kick it with them. Because you know, they just kind of, they introed me into the music world, you know, they really yeah. helped me out and get my footing and stuff. Do you, you have a cashed out shirt on that wall? Uh, do I? Maybe not. I don't think so, no. Maybe not. I need to get them up there. I need to get some more of my homies' bands up there. I, I've been slacking, but these are ones that I have from, like, the 90s and 2000s that have, like, the original ticket stub, and it goes with the shirt that I got there. Oh, yeah, I see, I see yeah. like, the pepper one and stuff. That's super sick. Yeah, I think we have ones. a lot of the same shirts, actually, too. I That's... have that Day to Remember shirt and that Pacifier shirt. <sighs> Hell yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I have that Pacifier shirt, too. Hell yeah. Um, not to brag, but mine's signed. 
Oh, oh, oh yeah. Nice, nice. I actually think Pepper, they did sign it. I got Yi and all the guys to sign it, so that's cool. Oh, that's super sweet. Well, that's my ticket. They signed the ticket for me, but they were super sweet. Just, I just came from, um, like, a meeting with Yasad, and he's just always so nice. Like, I had to, like, I always, like, psych myself out when, like, I'm on my way there. Yeah. Like, I, I love Pepper so much. I'm like playing them in, in the car and I'm like, oh shit, I'm about to go have lunch. Like, this is cool. Yeah. They're, yes. the, they're, they're like the most genuine dudes I've ever act met. Act normal. Yeah, but they're yeah. easy to act normal. Around. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Sometimes you get starstruck, yeah. but they're the type of guys that make it really easy to yeah. do that. Well, you were talking about seeing Cashed Out and Greg and stuff, and you write a lot with Greg and he's helped produce some of your songs and stuff. How has that relationship been? And, and was that through Law Records and, and that kind of a thing? Yeah, so kind of like um, when I finished up school and at like they were, we were kind of figuring out like what we were gonna do like law kind of was like hey do you have songs and stuff like that and you know I had stuff but it wasn't like super solid so how we really got together was um Yasad linked me and Greg up and I went down to Florida and we wrote um my first like four or five singles and it's actually kind of funny because one of the songs called this is goodbye that was like the first song we ever tracked and it's not it like hasn't come out and it won't until like this new album that I'm doing with Johnny oh, Cosby, cool. so it'll appear on that and it's kind of cool because like I have both versions so I think like you know later down the line I'll like release the Greg version it's just like oh a, nice a, yeah that would be fun cool. thing yeah um but yeah, it's you know I'm I'm trying to write some new music now. I've just been really focused on like putting this album out. It's just been kind of hard with timelines, so my mind has like not been in a creative place to write. Yeah. Um, but you know, Greg always has like those catchy pop lines, so I'll be giving him a call. Dude, Greg and Howie, and I've always thought I've had a good ear. That's what me. I I can't sing, so it sucks because like I I don't like to write music that I can't sing. You know, if I yeah. can't just have a acoustic and a microphone and be able to hit the notes and do what I want. And that's kind of why I do. But I found a new passion in writing songs and producing and helping other people. I would love oh, to put out an EP and then all the proceeds go to cruise and stuff like that because that's really the main purpose of the podcast and, and what we're trying and everything I do because I'm lucky I have my degrees. You know, I have if, if I needed to, I can go work outside of music to make income to continue working in music. But I definitely know a lot of crews that, and you know, as bad as bands and venues had it, I think crews have it just as bad and it's been so tough just because of like, you know, we get paid differently. I'm lucky that I had a 1099 to show how much I made. Whereas some bands don't have that. You're getting paid in different States. You're getting paid under the table or in cash. Yeah. So it makes it very difficult. So there's some people that haven't seen a paycheck since slash March and, and really everything we're trying to do is for them. So I appreciate you coming on here and getting some eyes on the podcast and trying to help raise money for that. No, I think that's super awesome. Crews play a really big part of everything. You know, it, it wasn't until like I started touring that I like realized how big of a <sighs> part every like, you know, there was so much behind the scenes shit that I just didn't even know. And it Me was either. really just because I was green to every, you know, it's like yeah. I was just a person who was attending shows like I had never played one. So it wasn't until like I played shows that I was like, holy shit, like there's a whole nother thing behind there, you know, and it's just it's it's kind of cool to see it because then you get to appreciate it. Like when you go to the other shows and stuff, you see what everybody else is doing to like make it work. Yeah. 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 You know, another uh, thing doing great things for different is house of Bradley. You were on that compilation and they've been raising so much money and doing so much good things. And every time I see them on tour, they're so nice. You know, they really, you know, you would think someone with, or people associated with someone of that caliber could easily just, you know, act however or do whatever, but it's such an important thing to them. 
And I just love the Law Records collaboration that you guys did. So many good songs on there. Yeah, yeah I think it was really cool. And, you know, just going back to, like, how down-to-earth they are, like, mm-hmm. um, Kelly, like, the first time I ever met her, there, I had a show at OC Tavern. I had never met her before, but I knew she was coming. And she came, and, you know, she doesn't really like being photographed. So I didn't know what she looked like. And so I was kind of looking out for her the whole night. And she came right up to me, and she was like, oh, like, I love your song, Surface, like, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, what? You know who I am? Like, yeah. you know, and it's just really cool that, like, but like you know people care that much on the other end too like it's reciprocated they know how much people care about sublime and bradley and like you know making a difference and they they show the care right back so it's so great for the cause because it'll just help you know push it even further and get more money and stuff and you know it's just a good positive vibe all around so yeah they're they're fantastic yeah and you couldn't pick a better band than pepper to like spearhead Uh, the initiative of course I think that was like a really cool thing too is because um, just in anything but like business in general it's like really hard to like not be in a shark tank or be on your you know you're always on your toes like making Mm -hmm. sure you're watching your back and stuff and like genuinely I've never felt like that with the pepper boys you know like law and everything it's like they're my label and and stuff but like they still look out for me and what's in my best interest and like they're always down to like help out so it's like when you have such genuine people coming together with more genuine people for a good cause it's like of course you're going to get a great outcome yeah pepper for sure but even within the whole scene every band i've ever worked with has been a hands-out approach you know like we help you you help us Mm -hmm. no one there's no like cutthroatness there's no competitiveness there's just we're all in this together (laughs) we're all doing the same thing we all want everyone to succeed and uh it's just a good culture in the whole scene i think you know (laughs) reggae is like hitting this like mainstream thing now where like you know some songs are getting big on tiktok like you know yeah. like dirty yeah. heads and jay mm-hmm. are like you know blowing up on tiktok right now so it's like who knows like who else will blow up and it's just i feel like the scene's been doing that for some time though you know oh, kind of yeah. yeah. off with slightly stupid the expendables and pepper just driving it and now look where it is there's yeah. so many people it's just so crazy to me that literally in college, I would listen to Pepper. I would get high, listen to Pepper, and go study for my test the next day, and then go in and ace that thing. And they were always kind of my good luck band to listen to, just because it got me in the mood to study to a degree. Maybe not, yeah. but, you know. <laughs> First time I heard about Pepper was on a Jägermeister compilation. It was No Control. Whatever happened to Jaeger? Why was that so popular? It's so gross. <laughs> It was a lot of fun when it was fun. I don't like anything licorice. <laughs> Just give me regular whiskey, Jack yeah. Daniels, and a Budweiser. They had good branding PR. I don't need the fancy shit. What do you think? You like Jaeger? I've had like Jaeger bombs like maybe twice. And even though it's mixed with something else, I'm still like yeah. nothing. Too, I'm not really. I got the chills just hearing you say that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, dude, I honestly, could taste like, it. I I drink like maybe once a year now. Like yeah. I I yeah. It's also because like it just for some reason I'm like one of those people where like I drink and like my vocal cords are just like fucked the next day. Like, oh yeah, yeah. So yeah. dry and yeah. like it's definitely. And happening. I just. Yeah, and, like, I don't know, like, I've been in situations where, like, I decided to drink, and then the next day, like, someone randomly was like, hey, can you come do this show, or can you do that, and I was like, fuck, like, I'm all fucked up right now, so then after that, I was just like, I'm just not gonna drink, like, I'm just yeah. gonna smoke, because, like, yeah, I want to be able to sing whenever I need to. Yeah, weed over alcohol any day of the week, for it's, sure. And it's not even that I don't like drinking, it's that, what does that sound? I don't know. Is it raining outside? It might be, yeah. 
Yeah, it's, oh. it's storming really bad. Wow, here. this mic, I can pick I can, these these in ears are really good because I could pick that up anyway. Uh, Isn't it what crazy, was it? like how much you can hear with the condenser mic? Mm -hmm. Oh, <laughs> like that's why I got his. I got his because it's very directional. So, mm. so like I actually have to turn his volume down gotcha. to match mm -hmm. mine. But I don't like being right up in front of a mic. Mm -hmm. I like space. So I got this one. So I could literally move it over here. And it, it's got a good two or three foot distance where it sounds the same and then it starts to fade off. Yeah. The space mm -hmm. sounds so, better. For yeah. Sure. Yeah. I just, I don't know. I can't be connected to it. Man, what were you like talking? You're like right up on it too. It's like you're. Yeah. Your voice gets Liquid all deep. Will, yeah. yeah. And mm -hmm. then I also feel like with a video podcast, like I want people to see my face too with, with the way yeah. the things are set up. Like I don't want to have to be like having that arm in and, yeah. and ruining everything. I don't even like having this to be honest with you. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm sorry. That's you're gonna yeah. need that. Yeah. <laughs> Man, what were you talking about just a second ago before I went in that? Because um, I we were had talking a... about pepper, pepper, and... and that. I can't remember. Enough of those guys. Yeah, Jeez. I know. <laughs> <laughs> no, I I love them. They're, I mean, like if I were to model my management, how I would want to do it would be in the same vein that Paul and you do over at Law. Like really, just I don't care how long we're together, but while we're together. I'm going to go 110% for you, you know, and, and really, cool and that's, you, you need that ride or die because if yeah. the label's not excited about you, whoever you're trying to like sell yourself to, they're not going to be excited yeah. about you. So it's like really cool that they're that excited. And it's like every Tuesday we have a phone call, you know, yeah. like just to go over what's going on. And it's like, that's really cool. Like even when he's like touring and stuff, he'll make time for that phone call mm -hmm. and it, those little things are like really special for sure. Well, what's nice is that they also have proactive bands too. Like all of you guys are such hard workers and I didn't realize even getting in the management, I'm like, I can do everything in my power to help these bands, but if they don't put in the work and aren't receptive to trying things that are going to be more long-term than short-term, you know, also just to round everything out. And, you know, I just, I, I don't think on one hand, like bands also realize how hard it is, like how much of my own money I put into it, especially being an independent manager. People have said, well, why don't you just join like some of the bigger management groups? And you know, on one hand I would love to, and I do see a lot of them out there that are doing things the right way and doing, you know, really good things with these artists. But I've also liked, uh, being that person that's like, I don't want to say a stepping stone cause I don't want to be a stepping stone per se. But I love working with independent or new artists. And that doesn't always fit with a big management group. You know, sometimes you need proven things, especially if you're going to put money into it, just on a business scale. And then I've also liked the one-on-one -on -one and being able, like you said, to be the ride or die person. I don't need to manage five bands, but if I could manage one that's doing well and progressing, and then another one that we can that's more of a developmental thing, that would be perfect for me. And also, I, I really got into this, and I said it from the beginning that I got into this with my business degrees and going and getting that and business analytics because I really want to do right by the band. Like, if you're paying me, I want to be able to actually help you financially and give you set you up for success. So you don't have to be a millionaire, you know, touring, but we'll make it so that you have enough that you can tour and not worry about paying rent. You can have savings for the bands and work with the producers you want to work with and then have savings for your family and to plan your own future. And you don't need a millionaire to do that, but you do have to be smart and you do have to make good choices. And there is a lot of luck in the music industry, 
But that's the reason that I've never actually hopped on, and I really want to do things my way. And I know that my way is going to take longer than other ways, because I don't have as many resources or don't have as many as much money to do certain things. But I also think I can do a lot with a little. So that's I, I just love management. I love bands, and I really love the independent scene, and I really support that scene because I really feel like that's where some of the best music comes from, but it doesn't always get the most exposure. I honestly think that, um, you know, with management and stuff like that is like when it's meant to be, it just kind of fits. You know what I mean? It's like, I yep. really haven't picked up management yet because I haven't really necessarily yeah. like found that fit. But like how you're saying is like, um, from your perspective, like, you know, if the artist is like, you know, not wanting to do, like, you know, push themselves, it's like really hard for you to do that. And it's like, you yeah. can bring the horse to water, but you can't make it train. Mm -hmm. So, you know, um, I, I think that's like an, like, I, I think, one of the things I look at too is like how you were saying, like, you don't have to manage all these bands, but like, I like it when there's like, just one, like someone has one or two bands under their belt, because mm -hmm. that's when I feel like there's an equal um, amount of, you know, um, work going into each band. It's feasible to manage that amount, you know what I mean? Yeah. But it's like, um, I don't know, you just really want that like ride or die person, the person yeah. who just believes in you really hard. So like, I mean, I, I like you, you have a good thing going like on your own. And I think that like the long haul thing is really what is important, you mm -hmm. know? And like, that's kind of what I look for in a manager, right? It's like somebody who wants to like be with me for a long time. So how you're saying that like, okay, you may not have the resources or the connections or whatever, but you, you have the attitude and you have the drive and that sometimes will take you like so much farther oh, than yeah. anything else because you just have to show that you're hungry. And, you know, if you're hungry and you meet up with the artist that's hungry, you're both hungry together, you know, like you don't need a big management company. Pizza party. I was going to say you need a big meal though because you're all both hungry. But. Yeah. <laughs> no, you're absolutely right. I mean, I love that. And again, it, it might take me five years to do something that someone else can do in three, but I, I'd rather you know spend the money and do things right the first time and then not worry about it down the road yeah. you know yeah there's so many factors that go into like what makes an artist successful but number one the common thread is you have to be hungry you have to be willing yes. to work every day at it you know i've worked everybody's with hungry so you have to be hungry yeah. right yeah. And yeah. so it's like right. you can't just be a little bit hungry you got to be hungry every single day because people are coming for your spot I say this all the time. I say when I meet with, especially with ones that are like, see, that are really kind of new. And, and like you said, before we both started working, we were just show attendees. We did not see the other side of it. Now that we've been on the other side of it, I also think that's what helps me even more as a manager is that I've, I've done, I've done the grind because I don't think I would think the same way if I had not done that. So a lot of choices I make as a manager are based on knowing what bands actually go through how tough it is on tour, what will make it easier for the band, you know? And I think when you find the right client, that's really what'll help you like, like make a successful client, you know, yeah. is because you've, you've kind of done this trial and error thing where like, you know, what works, you know, what doesn't work, you know, what they probably want and you know, what would probably work best is like, you kind of have it figured out a little bit and, you know, to have the other perspective of like, of course, management knows what's going on because right. the artist will communicate with you every day and stuff like that. But it's like when, when, if you haven't toured yourself, sometimes it is kind of hard. It's like, I didn't know a lot of things that happened during touring until I went and toured, you know? so or like you know just being on the inside it's just it's nice to have that perspective so I, I think that'll definitely 
um, you know, make you successful, even more successful than you already are. But. Oh, well, that's sweet of you. Hopefully we're getting there. It's a long, slow road, but I definitely in it for the long haul. I love it. I mean, the one thing I have to say, and I have to give 100% credit to my parents, is that I wasn't the easiest kid because I had ADHD. I was off the walls, and I don't think they knew as much about it back then. It's not just concentration. It's not that you can't just read something and memorize it it's that you sometimes overthink things sometimes you know you have like five different things going on in your head and you're trying to control it and it's hard to do that you know um so but they have always i knew from a very young age i wanted to do music like i was eight years old and i knew i either want to play it or be involved with it somehow and even through getting my college degree and even through doing different things in life my parents have always supported me getting or pursuing music in some fashion. I mean, even to the point when I started the man and, and they knew it was going to be a long shot and they knew even still right now with my foot a little in the door, it's still a long shot, you know, but they still support that and they've always encouraged that. So I've noticed that I've been able to tame my ADD by focusing in on passions and, and things that I really love, as, as I, I feel like is a good rule for anyone. But for me, that helped. And I think that's why it just adds another thing. That 110, that extra 10% comes from me really loving this. And I get people that come to me all the time and say, I love music. This is what I want to do for my life. And again, it goes back to, okay, I get that. But are you willing to then put in the work? Because it is a lot. And honestly, a lot of the times that artists and I don't work out is because I don't want to be a babysitter either. Like, I shouldn't have to call you multiple times a week and then sit there and wait for a response. Yeah. Like, yeah, if you're ready sure. to go. And I've had that happen to, with, I've gotten a lot stricter. People will be like, well, what band do you manage? And honestly, if it's no one, that doesn't make me any less of a manager. It means that as you're looking for a manager that has your back, I'm also looking for a band that has my back as well and understands the, the time and resources I have to put in that aren't getting paid, you know, I'm not getting paid for. Whereas, and, and the band could break up next year. You know, it's very, it's very hard and difficult. So if I work with you, it's because I believe in you 100%. Yeah. You, you as a manager have to be invested. Yeah, and I always am. Anyone yeah. that I'm actually willing to sit down and sign a contract with, I obviously am. Yeah. But obviously I like to have that one year kind of no contract, no nothing, just no strings attached growing period. Because I, I do also think a manager needs to be like, like you were saying, uh, Vanna, the like almost like a, the backbone of the band or like a best friend, a mentor, or like a sixth member of the band. I like to consider totally. myself like a sixth member of the band where this we're in this all together and we all have equal say and we're doing what's best for the band. I just happen to have the business knowledge or be willing to you know, chew someone out if I need to, you know, to because they didn't treat you well or we didn't get paid what we were supposed to get paid, you know? Well, if you think about it too, it's like before bands even get to the point where they have a manager, it's like someone in the band plays the manager role. Yep. So it's like now you're just at the point where you can, you know, have someone else to, to help you with those tasks and stuff like that. Um, so yeah, I think it's really important to like have that like give and take and like to have that um, best friend vibe you know that's like mm -hmm. genuinely what I want is like someone that yeah. I'll text back and forth and shoot the shit with and talk and get like, excited yeah like hype like, each other up and stuff you know because like, so, yeah. like you know, th that's just how I am is like I just get excited about everything because Me I just too. like to take the moment in because 
these things that are happening to me, they don't have to happen. Tomorrow's not promised. The cool show, last show I have next week might not happen. So let me enjoy it today. You know what I yeah. mean? So like, I, I, like, I, I just take everything as like, just something to be excited about, you know? Yeah. And, like, um, I think also for you too, like coming from the, the fan perspective of like going to these shows and stuff like that and cool stuff is like happening um, just at the rate that it happens. It's like, it's really important for me to kind of pull myself back and like stay grounded. You know, you were like talking about your parents. That's like one thing my mom always says to me is she's like, you know, I want you to always take in the moments because you know, it's the journey. That's the beautiful part of like, cause you don't know what's going to happen. You don't know where you're going to end up, you know? Mm-hmm. And um my parents are very similar to yours. It's like, you know, like I, I had a degree that was completely not to do with music and I got a break to do a, a record deal and my parents just totally supported me and they come to every show and, you know, they're like always wearing my merch and stuff. And it's I think I met cool. them. Um, I, did did I meet them at the Ballyhoo show when we played in uh, Long Island or at uh, that one, that maybe one bar? I th- yes, you, you met, I think both of my parents were there actually. I think yeah, so. yeah, my mom had a few was definitely people there. there. Yeah, like my whole family comes to all those like Long Island shows and stuff. But yeah, no, definitely. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, exactly. So my mom will like show up to these shows like in Bonalia gear and stuff and like stand really (laughs) close to the front of the stage with her iPad. And she's like, people are coming up to me. How do they know I'm your mom? And I'm like, oh, because you're so cute. And scene. So you'll notice there she kind of got cut off at the end and. Uh, we, my house, I literally think we got struck by lightning. I really don't know. But uh, I want to thank Vanalia for coming on. I mean, she, since we had that um, interview, her album's come out. She's officially hired her management. She's doing so many things, and her album is so good. So please go pick that up. Hopefully we can have her back on to talk some more fun stuff. But it's always nice talking music, too. You know, coming from two people that were on the fan side for a lot of years, and we're also lucky enough to work on the other side um, just to have a different perspective. And, and again, I really do think that helps me out when it comes to management or at least how I think or the things I want to do with bands. Um, I really just want to give them an honest, make it as easy as possible for them by getting rid of all the bright lights and all the other stuff that comes along you know, with the music industry and really trying to get them to hone in and focus, especially when they're at such a young start or a young period in their careers. So that's always something I've had a passion about. And it was great talking to Vanna about it and then getting into her music and stuff and just the road life and different things. And and also again, thank you so much to Robbie for coming in and supporting me during the COVID times by uh, helping me out because again, he knows I'm not necessarily an in front of the person camera type of guy. And, uh, he probably honestly isn't either, but that's why, you know, he's a good friend. So he was willing to come on and help me with that. So thanks to Robbie. I actually, uh, something I didn't mention because um, I guess I forgot was that Bally who was actually playing in Chicago while I was there for Riot Fest. And I was so close and I almost still pulled the trigger, but because of the festival and the way Chicago said, it's not that easy to just take a train or get something else to get to the venue. And I did want to see some MGK and Slipknot. So I figured I would see about 10 minutes of each and then bounce and go see the Catch Ballyhoo set. But the Uber was like $100. And as much as I love Ballyhoo and the guys and wanting to go see Robbie and Alex and Pat, uh, they're in a bubble right now too. So it's not like I would have been able to say hi to any of the guys. I could have waved at Alex and all them watching them work. But that's about it. So 
as much as I love the people, it was a hundred dollars, and I, I don't know, I wouldn't even pay that for the biggest band. You know, it, it the the venue was literally fifteen minutes away, but that's driving. So then I thought about walking, but I'm like, that's gonna take me like forty minutes if I'm just walking. I think maybe less. Maybe I could have made it there in half an hour, but. You know, I had all my stuff with me, too. I don't know how strict they are in venues with bags. So in the end, I wasn't able to go. But hopefully once things kind of open up, <laughs> can't believe we're still saying that. It's almost the end of 2021 going into 2022. And we're still kind of in the same state. You know. Uh, next episode, I got Joe Sambo coming on. I'm real excited. He's such a fun Awesome dude, man. He's another one of those guys that I saw when I started the management company and, you know, whether I ever work with him or not, just, I love him. You know, it's more about the, it's more about the type of people you are. That's, that's, that's what would draw me to you more than the music. Because if you're a good person and you're hardworking, I know that we can work together. You know what I mean? As opposed to you might have the best music in the world or the most passion in the world, but if you don't have the right attitude, it's never going to work out, you know. So um, happy to have Joe on. We're going to continue that Law Records kind of a feel for this month while while I get these episodes out. When I recorded this originally, I also went into this tirade about Gabby Petito, and I want to get more into that on a more analytical le level, not so emotional. A and then also give my thoughts um, because there's a lot because I have – I see all sides of different things as far as people saying, oh, well, this was a person of color. It wouldn't even be a story. And also other things like there are bigger issues in this world than that. And to those people that criticized me when I posted about her just because I was interested in the story, they're right. I wholeheartedly agree that there are a lot of things in this world that are if you want to say, quote, unquote, more important. Um, or you're also right if you're saying it's a minority. I 100% agree it wouldn't get the same coverage. But I'll get into this now. I'm going to I'm gonna go. The, the whole reason I left it out is because Riot Fest took so long. It was like a 30-minute tirade of MGK and uh, the festival. But I wanted to uh, – keep these within a, a reasonable time and also make sure that Vanna was the focus of this episode, not, not me. So, um, I'm, I'm going to end it there and then just go into all the other shit, you know, tomorrow before Joe, which might be kind of a bummer. I don't, maybe I can't because me and Joe had such a good time. We're laughing and he's such a great guy that I don't know if I want to bum everyone out with Gabby Petito right before we'll see, we'll see, we'll see when I record it. Um, what I feel like, but, um, Thanks so much for listening. Again, if you, you're probably not listening at this point. I don't think anyone listens to the whole episode, but please follow us on YouTube and social media because that's where all the clips and all, all the real good stuff is. Uh, these are just, you know, if you're listening, it's just the full episode. So thank you again for supporting the podcast. You know, I don't expect this to be something I ever get paid for, but it's something I do because it's fun, you know, and I like talking to people about different things. So Thanks for listening. We'll see you at the next episode.